0: Episode 24, Happy Pioneer Day. I think we are all feeling a little hampered by our inability to celebrate Pioneer Day this year, at least not in the manner to which we are accustomed. I think that it might be helpful to look back at how pioneers celebrated in sometimes unusual circumstances, and maybe just have a look back at how the celebrations all began. The last couple of days we have visited Captain MacArthur and his down and back boys. Today we will start with another part of their story, again thanks to Mr. Johnson of Springville. This has to do with a different holiday than the 24th of July, but I think there are some lessons to be learned from it. It so happened that the beginning of July arrived while they were awaiting their cargo and emigrants. The company, I am sure, all wished that they could be home with friends and family to celebrate the holiday just at hand, but as this was not possible, the camp made their own preparations to celebrate the 4th of July. There were two fifers and two drummers in camp, and for instruments the fifes were made out of joints of the elder tree which grew near, but punching out the pitch and burning the holes with a small hot iron and when finished made a very good instrument, upon which the girl I left behind me, and Yankee Doodle, and other stirring tunes screamed forth in fair style. Two of the largest pans were used as drums. At daylight a salute of musketry awakened the echoes of the ancient river and bluffs, and the martial band made the rounds of the camp with the stirring drums and fife, which made every breast heave with patriotic ardor. After breakfast, about nine o'clock, all had assembled under a grove of cottonwoods for an impromptu program. Orson Hyde recorded in his newspaper, The Frontier Guardian, our people celebrated the 24th of July, 1849, instead of the fourth, for two reasons. One was, because that was the day on which Brigham Young and the pioneers first entered the valley, and the other was, they had little or no bread or flour to make cakes, etc. that early, and not wishing to celebrate on empty stomachs, they postponed it till their harvest came in. The first real commemoration of Pioneer Day was held in 1849. The celebration took place in a large bowery, or bower, near the spot recently designated as the site of a future temple. Brother Hyde continues, the inhabitants were awoke by the firing of cannon accompanied by martial music. The brass band and martial music were then carried round the city in two carriages, playing their music alternately and returned to the bower by seven o'clock. The bower is a building 100 feet long by 60 wide built on a 104 posts and covered with boards. But for the services of this day, a canopy or awning was extended about 100 feet from each side of the bower to accommodate the vast multitude at dinner. At 7.30, the large national flag was unfurled, measuring 65 feet long at the head of our Liberty Pole, which is 104 feet high, And was saluted with six guns, the ringing of the Nauvoo bell, and martial music. At eight, a salute of six guns and martial music to call the multitude together. As the procession started, at nine o'clock, twenty-four young men and twenty-four young ladies, dressed in white, sung a hymn through the street. The cannons kept up one continual roar, The musketry rolled, the Nauvoo bell pealed out its silvery notes, and the brass band played a slow march. Upon arriving at the bower, loud cheers and shouts and a hymn of praise emanated from the assembly. The vast multitude were called to order, and Mr. Erastus Snow offered a prayer of thanksgiving to our Heavenly Father. One of the young men then came forward and presented a copy of the Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States in a respectful manner to President Young. The Declaration of Independence was then read by Mr. Erastus Snow. The band then played lively. The rest of the program continued with original poetry set to music, playing by the band, speeches by President Brigham Young, and W. w. Phelps. The bishops collected their respective wards and marched with them to the dinner tables. Several thousands of the saints dined sumptuously on the fruits of the earth produced by their own hands, who invited several hundred of the immigrants, even all who were in the valley. And a company who came in during the dinner were stopped, dismounted, placed at one of the tables, and were astonished by their warm reception and two or three score of Indians also partook of the bounty. Not an oath was uttered, not a man intoxicated, not a jar or disturbance occurred to mar the union, peace and harmony of the day. Toasts were made, the choir sang and the band played. A humorous Irish song was performed. At the end of the day, Brigham Young summarized the festivities. We have had a day of gladness and joy, long to be remembered by our children, by the youth, the middle-aged, and it will go down to the grave with the aged." The band then struck up, Home Sweet Home. When the assembly dispersed to their several homes and the immigrants to their wagons, everyone rejoicing for the blessings which the Lord has poured out upon every soul this day. During the next eight years, there are accounts of exuberant 24th of July celebrations from Ogden to Manti and from Fort Supply, now Wyoming, to North Willow Creek. In 1857, several thousand gathered in the mountains east of Salt Lake City for the 10th anniversary of the first Pioneer's arrival. Emily Hodgets, who had reached the valley just the December before, was excitedly participating. She remembers, We were having a celebration, our first 24th of July, in Big Cottonwood Canyon, when Ephraim Hanks brought word that Johnston's army was on the way to Utah. We were dancing in the Bowery. I was dancing with my brother in the same set with President Brigham Young. During the following years, with the Army here to keep a close eye on the Saints, Pioneer Day observances were fewer. Once tensions subsided, there were renewed celebrations, often culminating with dances that might last until the next dawn. I sincerely hope that these Pioneer stories might help you to enjoy a little more of the Pioneer spirit this year. Like Captain MacArthur's boys and those here in the Valley in 1849, let us make the best of what we have. As I looked for hints to the menu for their sumptuous feast of the fruits of the earth, what I found were references to their wheat crops being good, corn looking prosperous, beets, carrots, squash, pumpkins, cucumbers, and other vegetables, all excellent. I can only imagine how much of a feast this would have seemed to those who had walked so far and worked so hard. Some thoughts on how to celebrate like a pioneer today. Try going on a hike. Pioneers are famous for walking. If you live near hills or mountains, you can hike up a canyon like Emily Hodgetts did. You could listen to some pioneer-era music. Music both vocal and instrumental was a big part of all the celebrations that I found records of. Singing, whistling, harmonica, and wooden recorders were all popular and portable sources of music. Turkey in the Straw, Pop Goes the Weasel, O Susanna, Home Sweet Home, and Come Come Ye Saints are some examples of music of the time. Explore the history and settlers of the area where you live, or find out who was alive in your family during the pioneer era. Now, go eat your vegetables, I mean, sumptuous fruits of the earth. Happy Pioneer Day.